0: brighten their day, make them happier, make them really enjoy being there. So that when they go do that workout and it's hard and they get sweaty, that it's not a terrible thing. And then when they leave, how are we making them feel when they leave? So it's the first thing that they get when they come through the door and the last thing that they remember as they leave.
1: Welcome to Subscription Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. Join us each week to hear from industry leaders in the subscription space, share their best tips and stories and learn how you can up-level your subscription business today. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Subscription Scaled. I'm your host, Nick Frederick. With me today is Landon Burningham, who is the founder, president, and CEO of Physique Fitness. Landon, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. You got a lot of titles over there. So uh, why don't we dive into a little bit about yourself, <laughs> uh, kind of your background, and how you came to start Physique. We're a small company, so I got to wear a lot of hats. So you got to wear a lot of hats, titles, so- Right?
0: A little bit uh, about our company, Physique Fitness was founded in 2007 with more than anything, just an idea. I worked for a large fitness company in Utah as I was going to college and really just decided I wanted to try and do something a little different. So that started out as a, a personal training company where I eventually just kind of went door to door to try and grow our business. And naturally, that kind of started where we would get people signed up on subscription personal training. I'd go to their houses monthly, do that kind of thing, which eventually evolved to me opening the studio... And then fast forward the last almost 20 years, now it's, you know, 14, 15 years, we've got four, soon to be five large
1: box fitness clubs. And we run the subscription model from our memberships to our personal training and everything in between. So it sounds like you were saying even in the personal training days, you guys were subscription. That's how you do it, man. It's the only way. I
0: believe that uh, fitness was the founders of subscription. And it's paved the
1: way for a lot of businesses. Yeah, th- that and AAA and magazines were right. kind of some of the earlier adopters <laughs> of the subscription right. model, right. for sure. I mean, there are some out there that are doing it kind of as a, on a per per training basis, or maybe buying a package. Did you guys ever consider anything like that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the industry, the way it started really was buy packages, you know, buy 10 or 15 or 100 at a time, and you would get a discount. And And the company would quote unquote, you know, finance it for you and, and do that where we really were just, we said, Hey, let's get you set up on whether it be a six month or 12 month subscription. Let's just have you pick how many sessions you want to do. And, and we'll just keep it coming on a, on a monthly draft. And it seemed to really help increase sales exponentially uh, right off the bat. I think now, I mean, more than anything that's trending
1: the way our entire industry has, has moved was the subscription personal training. In some ways, to be fair, subscription has a bit of a bad rap. And be yeah. frank, the subscription <laughs> or the fitness industry was one of the ones that gave it a bad rap because there were so I, I, many. Of these I agree. <laughs> out, <you> know, <laughs> right? So, agree. tell us what you guys are doing a little bit differently compared to you know some of the ones that gave us a bad rap. So, I always
0: say that uh, we gave the idea for subscription to everyone else, but it was like Netflix and Disney Plus that gave us the idea to make it a little more consumer friendly, if you will. So, you mentioned gyms gave it the bad rap. Like, hey, you're going to sign up on a 12 month subscription, but we're going to, we're going to lock you into that 12 months. And the only way out is to walk into our facility, give us a handwritten, notarized letter and so on and so forth. The worst experience it could ever be. You know, mm-hmm. so what, some of the things that we're doing is, you know, we've done similar to the bigger subscription models where it's easy come, easy go. We want people to have month to month the flexibility in that, the ability to, if they want to sign up for a longer term and have a discounted rate, they can do that. If they want to pay a couple bucks more and have month to month and the flexibility to leave whenever they want, they can do that. And then make the cancellation process just simple. I think that we're going to build a lot more customer loyalty and customers coming back to our business if we make the process easy and not frustrating.
1: That's always been kind of the, the main sticking point about Gem subscriptions, right? Was how difficult right. that they made it to cancel. So, right. I mean, are you guys marketing that up front as, hey, we're not these guys that are going to make it really hard on you in the end? Do you use that kind of in reverse as a marketing tactic? Right. I, not so much to the outside
0: public. I think our website kind of speaks for itself, but just having that that option to do it. But it's something that is really breaking down the barriers and trying to get out to the community through our members of how easy it is. So what we feel is that if the members that do leave us have a good experience, and they tell other people that it wasn't super terrible to leave, that that's going to get our word out better
1: than just us tooting our own horn. Absolutely. Well, the customers that you have, right? The best tactic is to not want them to leave, right? To continue to want (laughs) to have their membership. So what are the different ways that you're engaging with them and kind of reminding them that, hey, we're here, come use us. We always claim, give them the Disney experience. Hopefully I'm allowed to even say that, but really it's, we want them to have the best
0: experience possible. And the way that a lot of these big companies do it, if you've ever gone to one of these amusement parks, you'll know that the experience right at the gate is amazing. And then you wait in really long lines, you pay a lot of money for food that's really not that good then when you leave, it has a firework show and everyone leaves happy, right? And so working out is not inherently fun for most people. In general, most people really hate exercising. We're seeing a little bit of a trend difference now that COVID has uh, happened and wellness is more top of mind for our society. But in general, you know, the majority of the population isn't looking forward to exercising. So our whole mantra is how can we engage them as they're coming through the door to brighten their day, make them happier, make them really enjoy being there. So that when they go do that workout and it's hard and they get sweaty, that it's not a terrible thing. And then when they leave, how are we making them feel when they leave? So it's the first thing that they get when they come through the door and the last thing that they remember as they leave. That's the first part. And the second part is just really making sure that the amenities that we offer, the equipment that we have and the look that we have is top notch and the best around.
1: Absolutely. That's a good analogy, the Disney experience. I haven't really thought about it from that perspective, but you're absolutely right. (laughs) It's all the excitement to get there and then it's hellish when you're inside, but you still leave happy. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's like Costco. When you buy your, you spend $500 and you buy your $1.50 hot dog when you leave, you feel like you got a great deal. Exactly. Exactly <laughs> right. Yep. It's important to bookmark the experience, I guess, there at the beginning yep. of the end. Well, talk a little bit about, you hit on it a little bit. You guys are offering a lot of different plans to kind of meet customers where they are and what they want to experience. How did you come up with those and what are the different plans?
0: So I think really what we've realized and one of my business partners, uh, Brandon, he had mentioned that his dad was working out at a CrossFit studio in a different state than where we operate. And they came to him and they're like, hey, well, the only way you can continue is if you pay X number of dollars for X amount of time. And he was like, well, then I'm just, I don't want to do it. And it wasn't about the money that was an issue. He had the money to pay it. It was really just about he wanted what he wanted when he wanted it, right? And so he wanted to be able to go from subscription to subscription or place to place, depending on what his needs were at that given time. And so we kind of realized that that's what today's consumer wants, especially in the fitness industry. You know, we're trending a lot lower demographic. When I say lower, I mean, a lower age demographic Mm -hmm. than what we used to do. And I think we see that just even in the technology world with most of these subscription boxes. If you went and got a subscription box or a subscription, you know, you're watching a subscription TV or whatever it may be, you're seeing the, the general age of the consumer is a lot lower than what our businesses and retail or whatever it was may have yeah. been, you know, three, four or five or 10 years ago. And so we really just had to play off what our consumers wanted. And it was from that mantra is they want what they want when they want it. And if we give them that, then they're going to be willing to pay. What well, we need them to pay in order to deliver that experience, essentially. And so I know, I know it sounds kind of messy, but essentially what we offer is we break down our amenities to where we have a basic plan that just includes the very basic amenities. And then we have a mid-tier plan that gives them a little bit more. And then we have a top-tier plan that's our all-inclusive plan that gives them everything that we have to offer. And then hopefully a little bit more that breaks down the barriers that are even are out of our four walls. So like our top tier plan even includes virtual on demand exercises and includes a certain uh, amenities on our app, that kind of thing. And so we realized that the fitness consumer today, they may just want to come in and do weights. And if that's all they want to come into and do, why are they also paying for group fitness classes? Or if they want to come into group fitness classes and weights, why are they also paying for tanning? So it's really these packages put together that we found that most consumers want and like, and we price
1: it accordingly. The... Other end of that could be a lot of complexity though, right? If you're offering a lot of different plans with different add-ons and tiers and things like that, managing it on the back end and both physically and virtually can be very difficult. So how did you find the right balance there? We try and create a frictionless environment for our team and for our
0: members. So the first part is, yeah, it can be very complex. We've really brought it down to three core plans. And then within those three core plans, you can choose to either sign an annual 12-month commitment or you can do month to month. And that's really where the only complexity comes in is, do you want to pay $5 more on whatever plan you want to go month to month? Or do you want to sign a commitment and get a discount? And so it's really just, you know, finding, I think what the core niche is, what are what are the majority consumers going for, and then continuing
1: to play off your strengths. Well, let's talk about acquisition for a second. Like, obviously, I know in the fitness industry, referrals are very big, right? Somebody has a good right. experience, they want to go and tell their friends and family about it. And I'm sure that's important for you guys too. But what other channels are you guys using to bring in new members?
0: Pre-COVID, it was pretty much anything and everything that we could do. Post-COVID, it's, it's 95% digital. And so we're playing with Meta. We're, we do a lot of stuff with Google, YouTube, email marketing, text message marketing, all of that kind of stuff. We're really starting to look into other avenues as well, like advertising on Nextdoor, advertising on Ways, getting into OTT, or even looking at you know streaming radio. So again, if we know exactly what our consumers are, that 35 and under makes up 70% of our market right now, then we need to be going where they're looking. Are they spending the majority of their time watching cable? Probably not. Are they looking at billboard? Probably not as much as they're looking at Facebook on their phone or whatever it may be, Instagram, TikTok, those type of things. So that's where we're putting our dollars now.
1: When you're evaluating a new channel, I mean, do you guys do a lot of analysis up front to decide if it's the right channel or do you kind of just dip your toes in it for a little while dip. and kind of experiment yeah. and grow that way?
0: I like to experiment and dip, dip my toes in. Yeah, so it may just be dip in for 30 days. It may just, basically, we call it a rifle shot. It's like, it doesn't require much. There's not much that goes into it. We're not going to lose anything if it doesn't work. So minimum viable, essentially. So can we put, with minimum effort, can we put something into this and see if it's worth holding on to? If it's worth holding on to, then we'll dump more and more and more into it. If not, then is it really hard just to take away without upsetting the
1: consumer? In terms of like even the last three to six months, what have you experimented with? And what are you seeing some traction with that you're going to continue?
0: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is just really trying to figure out how to best monetize the meta world now and how to really see what the consumers are looking at, right? So what we've realized in this new age of instagram and tiktok is that consumers really need to be engaged within the first i mean half of a second of the ad or they're not going to stop and look at it and so it's how do we really get that that consumer to stop and look at the ad for more than a second so that we can even get our ad or our our special need promotion an immediate out there. attention
1: grab of some right. sort
0: immediate attention right so here we call insta gratification So, we want to get that instant gratification where they're going to stop scrolling and look even for five seconds. And so, right now, it's just really trying to play on what is going to work for them, what videos, what people in the videos, what verbiage, what music, that kind of stuff is really what we're focusing on.
1: Interesting. Well, considering your target demographic, what is working? What types of attention (laughs) grabs are working?
0: Yeah, no, that's a great question. So, uh, we're still playing with it, but what we're finding is videos that have a lot of flashing back and forth to different, so maybe it's you know, half a second of the free weights, half a second of another thing, half a second of something else with really upbeat music is really what's working. Catchy upbeat music.
1: And I guess we haven't actually, or I haven't asked you that specific question, but your target demographic, is it the younger group? Are you trying to serve the older or you're kind of open to whatever?
0: Yeah. So I think overall, I would say our target demographic is anyone from 12 to 80 that wants to get, wants to get healthier through health
1: and fitness, right?
0: The whole reason we got started in the business is we wanted to change the lives of the people in our community. And we can only do that if we reach outside a narrow funnel of, of people, if you will. However, mm-hmm. we also have to realize the people that are, are more heavily using our facility are under the are 18 to 35 years old. So we place the majority of our marketing dollars at the 18 to 35. But we're still, we still say we're the gym for everybody. We want to allow anyone to feel comfortable, whether it's your first time or, or you've been working out for 50 years.
1: That is a tough ask, to be honest. I mean, because you know people want to feel like they're around their community, whatever that is. Usually it's around age, especially when it comes to fitness, right? right? So how can you continue to create an experience that a 35 to 80-year-old is still gonna feel comfortable in?
0: And so that comes really through the amenities that we offer. And the biggest thing is, is what we find is that that demographic, that younger demographic is really going towards the free weights, the turf areas, the more functional fitness, the stuff that you see on Instagram and. and TikTok and those type of things where people are working out in the gym, they're doing that kind of That's where that younger crowd's going. Where our, I don't want to call them an older crowd, 35 is not older, or I'm much older. So about our 35 and older crowd, right? Our 35 and older crowd, they're doing things more like your boutique studio fitness. They're doing our group fitness classes. They're using amenities like the recovery room, the hydro massage, cardio. So it's, you know, making sure that we're offering things that are going into all of the demographics. And you'll see it kind of segment out in the facility where you'll see some of the 35 and older are spending more time in the cardio where the free weights are primarily dominated by a little bit younger crowd. And then that also comes down to just the time of the day. You know, the younger crowd tends to work out at a little bit later time, you know, five and on where the younger crowd maybe has a little bit more disposable income or more flexibility of time. And so you'll see them more in the later mornings through the afternoons. So that allows us
1: to kind of still give everyone that community feel. Well, I'm curious too, as you look at your three different plans across the demographics, are you seeing like maybe the 35 and up who tend to have more disposable income purchasing the the higher plans or do you have a kind of an even split among them?
0: You know, it's it's interesting pre-COVID, I would say it was pretty even right down the down the middle. Post COVID, we're seeing the majority of all members signing up on the one of the top two plans, okay, but with hardly anyone signing up for the lower one. And I think the reason for that is, at least in our area, we have four, soon to be five locations, and those plans allow people to to use multiple facility access versus just one location access for the cheaper price. And so people want that flexibility; they want the ability if you know their friend is working out at a different location that. They can go work out with their friend to your point with wanting to work out with, you know, people that are like-minded or within their own community. So I think that's really what the driving factor
1: is. What do you think it was about COVID, though? You talk about pre and post of those splits that made everybody want to go right. up to the, the highest tier. I think wellness is more top of
0: mind than it's ever been before. Primarily prior to COVID, gyms were looked at kind of back in those Arnold Schwarzenegger days where there was nothing wrong with that. But it was people that were, it was mostly just caring about your body. It was. And I'm not saying that's really what it was, but it had the perception of society was gyms are about sweaty, grunty. They're not clean. And we even saw with COVID, I mean, we got labeled as not clean. And in reality, I would say, I mean, even we had ER doctors come to us and say, they'd rather be at our facility than almost anywhere else. Cause they know what our cleaning protocols are. What other place allows you to carry a spray cleaning spray bottle around with you in a towel and spray off everything before and after you use it. Right. Yeah. And so I think that it was, it was that mindset shift of gyms are geared towards just people that want to look good to post COVID is gyms are there for your mental, your physical and your social health. And so it's more of a a full body and mental wellness rather than just here to look
1: better. Makes sense. Well, let's talk about COVID for a second. I mean, your, your industry was uniquely impacted by it. So talk us through kind of what happened there and what you guys learned and have taken now that we're on the other side of it.
0: You know, and I think not only was it COVID, but certain areas of the country that got hit, not necessarily harder with COVID, but harder with the lockdowns. You know, here in Oregon, we were locked down more than some, most other places. I think, you know, you had Hawaii, Oregon, California, Washington, New York. Some of those places were harder hit with the lockdowns. We were locked down two separate times, which means we took two separate hits from each other. And that was tough, you know, being in Oregon where it rains nine months out of the year we had to pivot and create outdoor fitness facilities where we built these giant 10,000 square foot tents and moved all of our equipment out to those. So we could continue to get, stay alive and continue to offer yeah. people health and fitness. And what I mean by stay alive is obviously financially stay alive in our right. business. I don't mean to sound insensitive during that time period, but so it really was just pivoting. It was pivoting to outdoor fitness. It was pivoting to on demand. We did virtual classes. We did live classes. We did classes on social media. It was, anything and everything. But, our, but even then we took a huge hit. We lost 37% of, all, of our overall revenue during 2020. And during that time period, even leading up to it, last year was, was flat. We had, we we're still 37% down last year. And this year, you know, we're up about 10%. So we're still down 27% pre-COVID, which is hard, but we're seeing it trending up. First, you know, First, Friends of mine that own health clubs in other areas, I got a buddy who owns some health clubs in Texas, and he's up 150% of of revenue from pre COVID. So I think it just, it really depends on the area. We were all impacted, we were all hurt. And I truly believe we'll all come back stronger for this. It's just going to take longer in certain areas.
1: I thought I heard a stat that like one third of the gyms in the US didn't make it through COVID, like completely closed down did not reopen. Yeah, I
0: can't quote exactly. But I think it was close to 30% of all health and fitness businesses, whether it be boutique personal training, or, you know, studio fitnesses or class only,
1: or actual gyms about 30% closed down. Wow. Unbelievable. Well, knock on wood here that nothing like COVID ever happens again. What are some lessons that you took out of that that you're going to carry forward now to kind of de-risk your business?
0: That's tough. I mean, we know we have to be a lot more financially smart with everything that we do. We have to make sure our relationships with our vendor partners are stronger than they've ever been. And luckily, I think that's one of the things that really, really saved us. Like I said, we're not a large business. We're soon to be five locations is all. But I think, what really helped us was the relationships that we have with our customers, the relationships we have with our staff, and the relationships that we have with our vendor partners. Though so when, when they saw us not having income, they weren't calling on us for money. They weren't calling on us to fulfill contracts. It was that when our members said, hey, we're not going to have a gym, some of our members said, keep billing us. Even though we turned off all really? billing and said, we're not going to bill you anymore. Mm-hmm. It made it a lot easier. Or our staff that you know, we kept all of our employees employed, kept paying all of them. But we had members of staff that said, I refuse to take this money, I'll go get money somewhere else. It was having those good relationships that allowed us to be to be financially stable. And then the other one is just, you know, knowing where you're at with your finances, where can you save where can you continue to grow, making sure you have a, a little bit of a slush fund just in case these type of things
1: happen. Those are always good principles. But I'm sure you know, COVID just you know, shined a light on everything and made those all the yeah. more important, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Just a little bit about technology for a second. I mean, A lot of times I talk to e-commerce businesses on here and the technology is the product or service, right? So that's, that's paramount, but you know, for you guys, it's about the facilities and the equipment and the classes and the trainers and all of those people that deliver, you know, the experience. So what is your approach to technology then? Do you view it as some, I need a website, I need a, something that manages all of my members and subscriptions and payments, and all those kind of things. Have you decided to build those things on your own? Have you bought them? Like what's been kind of your approach to technology?
0: Yeah, I think industry wide technology is top of mind for everyone in my industry, whether it comes to the things like you said, just basic websites or engaging our customers. So really, you know, fitness has never, even when it comes to marketing, we've never spent the marketing dollars that a technology company would spend, even a retail company, we've never spent the marketing dollars on that. And so we're really looking outside our industry to say, how can we adopt some of these best practices that other people are doing so that we can continue to be, you know, have that same competitive edge? So technology, again, you're right. It could be just having a really awesome website. It could be the way we market But it's also done on the things that we do in in the club. So we have a custom branded app that we do that offers technology through it. So we do workout tracking nutrition tracking. We have video on demand, a workout builder, all of that done through our app to create an engaging experience with our members. And so they can engage with our brand, even if they're not engaging with with our staff. And then on our website, our certain membership tiers have access to our video on demand so that they can continue to engage with our staff, even if they're not physically there at the club. And then other ways that we do it within the club is we have what's called heart rate tracking. Someone can wear a wristband or they can wear a monitor on their chest and they can see in real time what their average heart rate is, how many calories they're burning. And then we try and gamify it a little bit by actually giving them certain points depending on what heart rate level they're in. Those are displayed throughout the facility as well. So someone could be walking on the treadmill and see what their heart rate is and then go walk over to the turf area and then their heart rate will pop up on that TV and they'll see their heart rate with other people in that area. So what we see is technology in the fitness industry, whether it's Apple coming out, you know, making their Apple Plus with their their exercise and their Apple Watch or you have YouTubers and Instagrammers, they're making their own apps now, whatever it is. We know that in the fitness industry, we have to adopt technology to stay relevant. And so all of us now are just kind of going through figuring out how are we doing this? Is it bringing kiosks into the front? Is it, you know, engaging our members with that? So on and so forth.
1: Well, that can be a tremendous amount of investment, not just in money, but in time to stay on top of that technology. So have you hired the staff to do that? Do you rely on partners to bring you the latest technologies to bear? I mean, what's your approach?
0: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of all the above. So we have, in my business, we're lucky enough to have a pretty big corporate team where we have a program director, we have a studio director, we have a VP of fitness and education where they kind of stay top of mind on the technology trends and those type of things as well. But then some of it's just doing some R&D where we're going and actually visiting other health clubs or visiting businesses outside our industry and seeing what they're doing and seeing then going and talking to our vendors and saying, can you build this for us? Can you try this? What would be it? And hopefully mitigating the cost a little bit where it's not all on us. If we say, this doesn't have to be proprietary, you can like, build it for us, but then sell it to other people type mm-hmm. of thing. So
1: it's a little bit of that and then relying on vendors as well. Interesting. We talk about this a lot of times when the technology, the, those things that differentiate you as a product or as a service Are definitely the types of technologies that you want to invest in, right? Because those are kind of critical to your business. Whereas the things that, like, okay, everybody needs this. It blends into the background. You know, I can go purchase that off the shelf. Sounds like you've kind of found a a little bit of a hybrid of those two, where you're kind of bringing some of those ideas to your vendor partners and and working with them. Yeah, Yeah, I think
0: that's really key right now, at least in the fitness industry. Is I don't think we're ever going to the brick and mortar businesses. That is, I don't think we're ever going to be able to be completely reliant on technology. But we have to be that hybrid where technology is, is top of mind, it's at the forefront for our members if they want it. But if not, then we're still that typical brick and mortar fitness center that they're looking for.
1: Let's turn to retention just for a little bit here. It costs a lot of money to acquire a new customer these days and you wanna maximize that lifetime value. When a customer comes to you and says online or in person says, you says, know, I wanna cancel or can't afford this or whatever the many objections are. I mean, what are you guys doing to, either to keep them engaged from doing that in the first place, but once you get to that point to try to you know, retain those customers or bring them back? Yeah.
0: I think very first and foremost, like I said, is allowing them to pick what they want when they want it. So pre-COVID, we were only offering membership plans that were like 12-month commitment. And people would get mad when they had to leave, that type of thing. Post-COVID, we give people a choice. Do you want 12-month commitment or do you want month-to-month? And ironically enough, 90% of our members are signed up on the month-to-month plan, but our attrition numbers have actually decreased. And so what we have found is that giving people the flexibility and giving them the month-to-month option allows them to feel safe in their decision, but not feel like, Hey, it's time to, I got to leave. It's going to be this scary process. They're also actually more upfront, honest with us about why they want to leave. It's not just that, Oh, I'm moving outside the area reason now it's, well, Hey, you may not offer this piece of equipment. Okay. Well then let's go buy it. Now we offer it and there's no reason to leave. Right. So there's a little bit of all that. And then I think it just comes down to the staff. Are we hiring the right staff and are we onboarding the right staff that are going to deliver the experience that we, you know, we pride ourselves on
1: what do you do then if a member does cancel? I mean, try to bring them back. Do you keep them like on an email list or, yeah, I mean, they, yeah. they, they've had the experience, right? So how can you bring them back? I think first and foremost is let them go and let them go easy.
0: Hopefully yeah. they leave with a, a smile, right? Yeah. So how do we do that? How do we, how do we stay within our policies, but ensure that the customer leaves, leaves happy. And then from that point, it's, we offer oftentimes alumni specials where, you know, whether it's via text or via email, where we're reaching back out to them and saying, hey, if you're still in the area, come back. Can you get this much off your enrollment? Or we're going to give you this much time free or maybe it's a pack of smoothies or something like that. But yeah, so it's trying to re-engage them and hopefully they haven't unfollowed us on our social media and they can see our social media is more than, you know, just, hey, look at this special we're offering. It's also tips on training, it's educational, it's content driven rather than just marketing driven.
1: I think it's worth going back and stressing your very first point there which was let them go. If you let them go on a bad experience, if they're pissed off, I mean, they're never going to become a customer. Are they never going to become a customer? Then they're like the opposite of an evangelical, right? They're out there bad, mouthing your brand, so the damage that does is very hard to overcome. So you just got to let them go, right?
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. And I think, especially in this day and age where technology is so easy to just post a bad review and, or a bad experience or, TikTok video, whatever it may be, it, it can just go viral. It's not worth taking the chance of having something that of that magnitude happen with something that's as easy as, hey, I'm sorry you had a, whether it's a bad experience or I'm sorry you're moving or I'm sorry you just made a different decision. But whatever I can do to help you leave on a good experience, let me know.
1: What's next for you guys? I mean, you talked about opening up the, another facility. Is that going to continue to be your expansion model or what's next in the future for you guys?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think sky's the limit, really. If you can dream it, you can make it happen as long as you have the right people in place. Uh, so we have our, our fifth facility opening up with construction delays and permit delays. It's taken a little bit longer than we had hoped, but we're seeing that that should open up early next year, January, February time of next year. We have some offers in for some other locations, but you know, what we do is we're not, we don't have private equity. We're hundred percent self-funded. So the way we look at it is we're going to do smart growth, but we're going to grow to provide our communities more options for fitness, affordable options for fitness
1: and our employees a way to grow. Awesome. Well, sounds like a good plan. We're trying. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're trying. Well, Landon, really appreciate the conversation today and all of the insights that you guys have shared. If anybody has questions about our conversation today or wants to learn more about physique, where can they go?
0: Yeah, then go to physiquefitness.com or they can follow us on social media. We're on all the different social media things. You can also visit landonburningham.com or follow me on social media and you can reach out to me through one of my, my channels as well.
1: Also worth noting that physique is
0: with the Q, right? Yeah, it's P-H-Y-S-I-Q fitness.com. No (laughs) U-E. Thank you. (laughs) I think I'm used to it. So I don't know. Yeah, right, right,
1: right. Yeah, I I wrote it down. So I noticed it. And I just wanted to make sure we called that (laughs) out. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, Awesome. Well, Layman, thanks so much for the time today. And best of luck with your expansion in the new facility and everything else. Nick, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. All right. Take care. Have a good day. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Subscription Scale, sponsored by Rebar Technology. If something we said today resonated with you, please subscribe, rate, and download our podcast and share this episode with your network.